Good morning, everyone. I'm bringing the Bible reading to us today, but before we read, um, I'm going to pray. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for making yourself known to us, showing us the way of salvation through faith in your Son. We ask you now to teach us through your word so that we may be ready to serve you for the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The first reading today is from Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. They are a garland to grace your neck and a chain to adorn your neck. My son, if sinful men entice you, do not give in to them. If they say, come along with us, let's lie in wait for innocent blood, Let's ambush some harmless soul. Let's swallow them alive like the grave and whole like those who go down to the pit. We will get all sorts of valuable things and fill our houses with plunder. Cast lots with us. We will all share the loot. My son, do not go along with them. Do not set foot on their paths, for their feet rush into evil. They are swift to shed blood. How useless to spread a net where every bird can see it. These men lie in wait for their own blood. They ambush only themselves. Such are the paths of all who go after ill-gotten gain. It takes away the life of those who get it. Out in the open, wisdom calls aloud. She raises her voice in the public square. On top of the wall, she cries out. At the city gate, she makes her speech. How long will you who are simple love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? Repent at my rebuke. Then I will pour out my thoughts to you. I will make known to you my teachings. But since you refuse to listen when I call and no one pays attention when I stretch out my hand, since you disregard all my advice and do not accept my rebuke, I in turn will laugh when disaster strikes you. I will mock when calamity overtakes you. When calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind, when distress and trouble overwhelm you, then they will call to me, but I will not answer. They will look for me, but but will not find me. Since they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord, since they would not accept my advice and spurned my rebuke, they will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes." For the waywardness of the simple will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. The second reading is from Matthew chapter 12, verses 38 to 42. Then some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law said to him, Teacher, we want a sign. We want to see a sign from you. He answered, 
A wicked and adulterous generation asks for a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and now something greater than Jonah is here. The Queen of the South will rise at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom, and now something greater than Solomon is here. see you all. Uh, it's good to be back. I was had a few weeks off over the winter holidays and I'm back in action. I uh, had three weeks and then I ended up on winter attack last week and let me tell you that was a shock to the system. Um, and when Sonia said it was quite loud, it was very loud and it made me think maybe I am getting old. We pushed that thought to the back of our heads. Uh, but, and it was also not just very loud, it was very cold, it was very good. Before that I was in the Gold Coast and it was almost very warm and it was really good. Um, over the holidays uh, we we're up there and we spent one day at SeaWorld uh, and we went, well I, when I say we, the boys and I, uh, we went on the roller coaster called The Storm uh, and you know like almost all roller coasters it had a slow climb leading to a beautiful view of the Gold Coast uh, and then at the end of the slow climb it had a huge dip that sent you into a free fall but unlike other roller coasters I've been on a huge dip disappeared into thick mist. And so from the top, you couldn't see where you were going. And so we were flung down into this thick mist and then into a dark tunnel and then suddenly water splashed on our faces and stung us with that freezing feeling. I, I, and the reason I mention my storm experience is that often life is referred to as being like a roller coaster. There's slow climbs, you know, slow progress in life, uh, leading to maybe huge high points. But then these high points can really drop into very unexpected lows that don't sting our faces, but, well, sting our hearts. And often life is like staring into a thick mist. And not only do we not know what the future holds, but even in the present, it can sometimes be hard to know how to live. It, begin, it can be hard to see the best way to honour and love our Lord. If life is like a roller coaster. If it sometimes feels like our ways are covered in thick mist and we don't know what to do, what we need is wisdom. And what we need is the book of Proverbs. Not just for ourselves, not so that our individual lives work, but we need wisdom so that our life together as God's people works. And for us, as people of Jesus Christ, we desire to live wise lives in order to bring honour and glory to Him. And so I'm really looking forward to our term in Proverbs. It is a book, 1 verse 2, for gaining wisdom and instruction. It does not have simple answers to our every question. Proverbs 12.3 does not tell you what job you should take or what your next holiday should be. But Proverbs will give you a way of seeing this world and your place in it. And I trust the vision of life together that God will give you in Proverbs will be more beautiful than you might expect. And so this term, you are invited to dine with wisdom. Uh, and here is our splash screen. I've got to say, the more I've looked at this image, 
the more I've fallen in love with it, the more I've noticed more things. It's a beautiful splash screen. And I hope this image stays with you all throughout Proverbs because that's what it looks like to get with wisdom. It's to dine with wisdom. See, I often think of gaining knowledge quite mechanically as if I'm a computer, you know, enter data in, save to brain. And then the only faculties that really matter then when it comes to gaining wisdom, well, is my mind. But that's not how gaining wisdom works. Rather, in Proverbs, one of the metaphors that is used for gaining wisdom is to dine with wisdom, to join wisdom's feast. We are invited to have a relationship with wisdom, to spend time with her, to engage not only our heads, but our hearts. Learning wisdom is personal, changing not just what we think and do, but actually changing our desires. So will you come and dine with wisdom? If your answer is yes, then come ready to invest time and thought in Proverbs. Because gaining wisdom is not an Excel spreadsheet or a calculator. You don't kind of put questions in and answers are just shot out quickly. It's more like regular meals with brothers and sisters in Christ. Thinking deeply, sharing openly and praying regularly for God to give us wisdom. Now, right now, you're not sure if you're up for the investment to dine with wisdom. And so today's sermon, I'm hoping to orientate you to the dining room table. And first, we're going to meet our host. 1 verse 1, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Solomon, King Solomon, is responsible for the book of Proverbs. Now, I say the word responsible because Solomon is not the author of every proverb. For example, in chapter 30, we have the sayings of someone called Agur. But whether Solomon wrote every proverb or not, this whole book, 1 verse 1, comes with his stamp of authority. And his authority as God's king is significant. Uh, Firstly, because of his role. He is the king of Israel. He's God's chosen king who ruled over God's people. And his role as king was critical. Israel's leader was the complete leader. Military hero, civil judge, defender of the faith. He was the pivot on which the common life of the people in all its phases turned, the glue that gave coherence to the social, political, military and religious components of the nation. This is who is responsible for the book of Proverbs. And straight away this tells us something very important. Proverbs is not wisdom divorced from history. It's not simply a book which is just good for anyone. It's the wisdom of God's king. And so it's wisdom for God's people. It's wisdom for God's kingdom. And so wisdom, and I hope this becomes really clear as we go through Proverbs, it's not about each individual getting wiser for their own sake. This is the wisdom of a king for God's people, for establishing God's kingdom. It's wisdom so that we grow together. This wisdom, verse 3, will bring about what is right, just, and fair. Essential components of God's kingdom. Whether it be the kingdom of Solomon or the kingdom of Jesus Christ. This is your host, the king who shares wisdom to bring about a righteous kingdom. And your host is incredibly wise. You might know the story. At the beginning of Solomon's reign, God gave Solomon a blank check and said to him, ask whatever you want. What would you ask for? Think about it for a moment. What would you ask for? Good health for you and your family. Wealth to care for those you love. Peace for our nation. Solomon asks for a discerning or listening heart to govern God's people. And straight away, that tells you something very important about wisdom. Of all the things he could have asked for, wisdom. 
And so God gives him a wise and discerning heart unlike any other. The author of One King reports that Solomon's breadth of understanding was as measureless as the sand on the seashore, that his wisdom was greater than all the people of the east, that his wisdom was greater than all the people of Egypt, that Solomon was recorded as speaking 3,000 proverbs from all nations like the Queen of Sheba, they came to listen to Solomon's wisdom. Solomon was given immense wisdom, wisdom like no other, and he is your host as we dine with wisdom. Second, uh, who are the other guests? Who are the other guests? Imagine, uh, you know, transported back in time at the moment and you're actually sitting with King Solomon. Uh, Who might be next to you? Uh, Who might you be chatting to? Who might you be sharing your tapas with? Well, throughout Proverbs, Solomon's son is addressed. 1 verse 8, listen, my son. It's also there in verse 10, my son. It's there in verse 15, my son. Over and over again, the son is referred to. And in verse 3, those who have been given wisdom are the simple and the young. The simple are those who are not mature. You know, we might even describe them as the gullible. The young, it's a little bit harder to pin down their exact age, but it implies someone who is still growing up in order to take full responsibility later on. So Proverbs is this book between a father and a son, the words of a dad helping his immature son grow up and be responsible. Now you could picture it like this, the son is on a journey, he's standing on the threshold of a responsible life, and as his son is about to enter this new chapter, the father lays before him wisdom. Really, the first nine chapters work as poetic lectures, preparing the son for this new chapter of life. And often in these chapters, the choice between wisdom and foolishness is described as a path. And so it's like the father saying, as you start life's journey, choose the path of wisdom. And this was especially important for Solomon's sons, for they were to be rulers of God's people. If God's people were to be righteous, fair and just, it would need wise rulers trained up. And so as you look around the dining room table, you see sons. The thing is, if if the host is Solomon and the audience are his sons, what does that mean for you and I in 2022? Well, first, we look to Jesus Christ. He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And when he walked on this earth, he declared that something greater than Solomon was here. That greater thing was himself. Jesus spoke with wisdom. People were astonished at his teaching. They were amazed at his authority. In other parts of the New Testament, he is described as having in him all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. But not only was Jesus a wise king, he was also a son to the Father in heaven. And unlike Solomon, who could not even live by his own wisdom, Jesus, the son, perfectly obeyed the Father. Jesus is wisdom embodied. We look to him and we see the wisdom of Proverbs enfleshed perfectly. And it's beautiful. And so as we dine at wisdom's table, our eyes are cast beyond Solomon and beyond the sons at the table towards Jesus Christ, the perfect king, the perfect son. Second, as those united to Christ, we come as the sons. We come as the children of God. We come as those who will reign with Christ in heaven. And so we come to wisdom learning how to live as sons and daughters in Jesus' righteous kingdom. See, Galatians, last term, really taught us how it is that we are saved. Uh, It taught us um, how to become part of God's kingdom. Proverbs is slightly different. Proverbs is how to live as one who has been saved. 
So come and dine with wisdom and learn how to live as God's children in his righteous kingdom. Next one, what are we up to? Where to meet, where to meet. Uh, I don't know what your memories of growing up, but one of my strong memories was having family dinners, uh, you know, all the way through childhood. Some memories are really pleasant, some really are not. Uh, an, an unpleasant one, I remember not being allowed to leave the table until I ate all my Brussels sprouts. Now that, that could be close to torture, I think. Uh, and then I remember falling asleep at the table in order to get out of it, and it didn't work. You know, those were the unpleasant ones, but I also remember laughing. I remember loving my mum's cooking. I just, I just don't know if there's anything better than your mum's cooking, or at least that was true for me. For all my childhood, I really do remember these meals together. But then, late teenage years, and suddenly, family meals were really irregular. And I now, I regret taking those meals for granted. Uh, even more so as I read Proverbs. Because it seems to me, the place to dine with wisdom starts in the household. 1 verse 8. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction. And do not forsake your mother's teaching. Father and mother together teaching wisdom. Wisdom is a book for the household. And it's not really that surprising when you consider God's people's heritage. When God gave his people his holy law, he said to them, These commandments I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit down and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Talk about my law. And so like the law was to be the topic of household education, so is wisdom. But there is a really important caveat, which uh, Wall mentioned in the family slot. It's not that wisdom is one way. It's not like the teacher, the giver of wisdom, has nothing to gain. In verse 5, the wise are called to add to their learning, and the discerning are called to get guidance. No one, no one is above wisdom. No one is the all-knowing sage. Sometimes, I've fallen into this trap. You can, you know, accidentally inflate your sense of self and you can think you have nothing more to learn. I certainly felt like that when I finished school. I had time for no one. I know he is to hear, but in God's household, not all are teachers, but we are all learners. What does dining with wisdom in the household mean for us? Well, if you are in a family, use this term to dine with each other, and to dine with wisdom. Bring back the family dinner. And if you can't do a family dinner, bring back the family lunch. I reckon Proverbs is perfect, perfect for a good family chat. You know, you can flick forward to chapters 10, 10 to 29, and there are stacks of one-sentence Proverbs, nice and short. You can read it together, and you can have a yarn. Uh, also, on the back of uh, this article, you can have there's two weeks, week one and week two, suggested Proverbs for you to read, I road tested week one with my family and it worked. Uh, so have it, it, it's short, it's simple, one a week, have a read with your family and have a chat about Proverbs. You know, the household aspect as a staff team is why we're really keen for the family fun night. Uh, it's why we'd love everyone to come. And it's not that this household aspect is only for parents, but it's for all of us as we all share the joy in raising up children in Christ. It's also why Tyler has written some articles, Raising Up Church Kids. Because learning wisdom is for all of us to learn how to raise church kids. It's for the community of believers. It's for the young and the old. Now, if you're not living with anyone, I'd say look for opportunities to dine on wisdom together. 
If you're catching up with someone, if you're going for a walk, why not start your activity by dining on wisdom? Read a one-sentence proverb. Chat about it, pray about it, dine on wisdom. The reason I make such a big point of it is I think the way Proverbs is written, its poetry and its pithy one-liners, is that it really invites learning in community. And so let's make the most of it. Let's dine with wisdom together. All right, what are we up to? What to expect? What to expect from dining with wisdom? You've come to Disney, your host is the king, the wise King Solomon. You're all ears, you're ready to listen, to engage deeply. But what is the purpose of wisdom? A uni degree, the purpose might be to get the skills and knowledge to be employable. A counselling appointment, the purpose might be how to manage your anxieties. A YouTube session, like me, the purpose might be how to fix my leaking tap. But what is the purpose of Proverbs? In verse 2 to 6, the purpose of this book is laid out. First, it is for gaining wisdom. It's for taking hold of wisdom. But the question is, I've said the word a lot, what is wisdom? Now, every commentary you pick up on Proverbs will have its definition. And if we wanted to, we could go through every single one. But there's no one I trust more than Dan Wu, member of our congregation and more college lecturer. And this is his definition. Understanding your, how your world works and how to live in it for your joy and success. Now, the words, your world, world, are important because wisdom can be quite particular to your own world. Uh, for example, the wise policeman, his world will look different from the wise doctor. There's a wisdom in your kind of sphere of life. But because the policeman and the doctor all live in God's world, some of this wisdom will overlap. Now, this definition up on the screen, it's really about wisdom in general. And at the moment, you might be going, oh, it seems a bit vague. But what will happen is that as we read Proverbs together, our definition of wisdom will get sharper and sharper. And like I said, this is kind of general. Uh, it's for a Christian or, or, or not a Christian. It, that's how wisdom works. But Christian wisdom is true wisdom, and it's deeper. Because true wisdom can only be found in relationship with God. True wisdom is living in a way that reflects the one and only God who made this world. True wisdom is living in a way that reflects God's love and faithfulness. Hence the sermon subtitle, Let Love and Faithfulness Never Leave You. Are we, this is the wisdom we find in Proverbs, and it's what we'll consider next week uh, in our sermon. And so as we dine with wisdom, expect to gain wisdom, expect to learn how your world works and how to live in it, but more importantly, expect how to, to learn a life that reflects the love and faithfulness of God. But you will notice uh, in verses 2 to 6, there are lots of words used to describe what Proverbs aims to give. Very, very briefly, the reader of Proverbs will receive, verse 2, instruction. This captures the idea of authoritative teaching from a master to an apprentice. A reader of Proverbs will receive understanding, which means you won't just know stuff, but you'll get it. It'll make sense to you. Verse 2 as well, words of insight. Tim Keller writes, this is not the ability to discern just simply between right and wrong, but also among good, better, and best. And this all leads to verse 4, prudence and discretion, the ability to live strategically. And verse 4 again, guidance, which allows people to plan well for the future. If we heed all this wisdom together as God's people, we will be beautiful.
Verse 9. The father and mother's teaching are a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. If we were to live out wisdom, it would be like an exquisite diamond necklace or a beautiful crown of precious flowers. If we were to live out wisdom, we would be adorned with the good works of Jesus Christ. Beautiful. Now, that's the sort of church I want to be part of, people. I can't wait to see how God will use Proverbs to teach us, but also to beautify us to his glory alone. Lastly, lastly, what do you need to dine with wisdom? Now, imagine for a moment you've received an invitation to dine with wisdom. You rock up to the home where wisdom is dwelling and there's this really long queue to enter. As you wait, uh, you kind of start getting more and more nervous uh, because it seems that some don't join wisdom's table. And you you can't work out why. People from all cultures are entering. People from all classes, rich and poor, are going in. People of all ages, young and old, have sat down at the table and yet some, some turn away. What is the entry requirement? What do you need to dine with wisdom? Verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Here is the key to approaching Proverbs. It's the thing you need first. Without it, wisdom is a locked door. Without it, wisdom is inaccessible. It's the fear of the Lord. Now, why do we need the fear of the Lord? Well, first of all, because all wisdom is God's wisdom. He is the creator of this world and all wisdom, any wisdom, derives from him. So you and I, we will see seemingly wise people, you know, they've worked out how life works, who don't know him. So last year, I listened to Atomic Habits. Who's listened or read Atomic Habits? This book I thought was way more popular because I had one conversation with someone and they're like, oh yeah, I read it. And anyway, there's two people now across both morning congregations. Anyway, it's a self-help book. It's full of wisdom and it helped me learn how to build habits that increase my productivity. This book actually led to more joy and success in my world. But this book excluded knowledge of the one and only God. And so it's not true wisdom. In some ways, and I know this is a paradox, it's better classed as foolishness. And it's dangerous. Because if a self-help book is all you have, and it leaves the God of life out of the equation, it'll make you think you can do life without the God of love. But we can't. Maybe for a time, maybe for all our earthly life, but definitely not for eternity. We need the fear of the Lord as we approach wisdom because a truly wise life can only be lived in reference to him. Second, fear of the Lord is needed because those who rightly fear God are humble and you have to be humble if you want to learn. God is rightly feared. He is mighty, majestic. He is holy, transcendent and eternal. He is the Lord of hosts, which means he's the Lord of armies. He rules the heavens and the earth. He is rightly feared. In a click of the fingers, he could wipe us out. But this fear that we're talking about, it's not the same as terror. Fear of the Lord is not the same as walking down a dark alley and bumping into a vicious thug who could end your life in a second. No, this is the fear of the Lord. The Lord, capital L-O-R-D. Yahweh. It's God's name that he gave the people he loves. 
It's the name he gave to the people he redeemed. And so we don't come to God in terror because we don't only know him as the powerful, eternal God. We come knowing that at the centre of who he is, is love. And so instead of terror, there is fear, worship, humility. What the alphabet is to reading, notes to reading music, and numerals to mathematics. The fear of the Lord is to attaining the revealed knowledge of this book. With the fear of the Lord, we are ready to learn wisdom. We're ready to dine with wisdom. And so you're all invited. Come and dine with wisdom this term. Come and learn from your wise king. Come and share with the household. Come and gain wisdom that is beautiful. And come, fearing the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you great thanks uh, for our Lord Jesus Christ and that in him are the treasures of all wisdom and knowledge. We pray that this term, that we will come and dine with wisdom. We pray that we will share wisdom together. We pray that we will learn how to live in ways which are just, righteous and fair. And we pray uh, that we will come fearing you so that we can learn. We pray this in Jesus' name.